Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. It was about a year ago on episode 52, retired college horticulture professor Debbie Flower gave us a beginner's class on having a cut flower garden. Today, we're graduating up to more tips on successful cut flower care, including how to cut an outdoor plant to bring indoors so that it'll last an even longer period of time. Plus, Debbie has a homemade recipe for a floral preservative that will help that display last even longer. And since we're indoors, let's talk with master gardener and professional houseplant expert Lorianne Asmus. She tells us the best ways to make sure your houseplants are watered correctly. It's all on episode 142 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by Smart Pots. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. We'd like to welcome Debbie Flower to the Barking Dog Studios here in the Abutilon jungle of suburban purgatory. Debbie, thanks for uh, dropping by. Appreciate it's it. It's always fun to come here, and how nice to come in today and see this extra special display. I wanted to cut some flowers for you. Oh, thank you. To talk about. They are zinnias, one vase is zinnias, and it's a it's an heirloom zinnia called Macarena. It's beautiful. I, I really like the coloration of it, and it's, it's, it's just beautiful. And the other is a miniature rose called Joy. And it's uh, also beautiful. And it's in they're in their own separate vases. I have no artistic skills whatsoever. So oh, I disagree based on what you've done here. I wanted to get your purview on the best ways to display cut flowers. Now, we've talked about cut flowers before on the show. Back on episode 52, we had cut flower basics where we covered such things as the time of the day to pick the flowers, how to uh, cut them long, cut them sharp. Uh, make sure that the center of the plant is is one color for uh, the right age. Floral preservatives, the height rule, removing leaves, placing the bouquet in a cool, still area, not on top of a wood stove or something mm-hmm. like that. I thought we'd talk about some other things. So first of all, what I want from you is a critique <laughs> of the vases I chose mm-hmm. and the flowers I put in there and what you would do differently. By the way, if the podcast company that you're listening to this from isn't posting a picture of this episode, then click on the link in the show notes that'll take you back to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred uh, homepage, which is Buzzsprout, where you can see a picture of the uh, flower vases we're talking about here. So we've got the Macarena Zinnias in one, Mm -hmm. the Joy Rose in another. Mm Mm-hmm. What did I do wrong? Well, can I tell you what I like about it? Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. The macarenas are a very pretty color, the orange and red. Uh, you did follow the rule about picking the fresh flowers, the ones that are uh, not old, and, and that was the looking uh, at the center of the flower. These are daisy-type flowers, and they have a whole set of flowers in the center, and they open from an outside ring. So there are the petals, and then there's this outside ring of flowers opening, and then the It'll move in towards the center of the flower. And these are only showing either no flowers in the center opening or just an outside ring. So that means they'll last a longer time in the vase. And that's perfect. I love the little vase. I love the little twist it has in it and uh, the variety of heights. 
that you have in the flowers themselves. And the rose to me is a real classic bud vase kind of cut for the rose. Uh, the bud vase meaning it has a very narrow uh, stem at the top. And you included both open flowers and buds, which adds a lot of interest to the design. The couple of buds that are already in color will probably open. They will not have as much color in them as the uh, one, the pink one that is already open. And if the others open, they will probably be pure white. You get less color out of the buds that open once you've brought the flowers in the house. Some people would complain that there, you can see the stem through the glass vase. That's not been something that has bothered me. But when I taught one of the techniques that the floral instructors used was to take a very large leaf of some sort and twist it into almost a funnel and put it down into the neck of that vase, let it open up as far as it will. And then that's what you would look at from the outside in. You would see the that leaf. That can lead to more rot in the water over time. Uh, so you'd want to clean the leaf. You'd probably want to run it through a 10% bleach solution before you put it in the water and wash the leaf first, get off any dust or dirt, and then just run it right through that water and take it out and do with a funnel and put it into the vase. That takes off any surface uh, contamination, any fungus bacteria type of thing that could grow in the vase. And it won't, at that concentration, it will not harm the leaf itself. And it gives you something to look at. It could be a colorful leaf or not. Or you just, you can, if you don't like looking through the glass vase, you could put a bow on the outside mm. of it. Okay. Uh, now, back on episode 52, you talked about taking the uh, cut flowers back in the house, cut them underwater, and immediately place them in the vase. Mm -hmm. With these, I just put water in the vase, took the vase outside with the nippers, and as soon mm -hmm. as I cut the flower and trimmed off the lower leaves, I just plunked it in the water. And that certainly works. And you will have these a few days. If you do it the other way around, the, as, as I said in the uh, last episode, the cutting underwater prevents an embolism, prevents mm -hmm. a, a gas bubble in the stem. If, you've, if a gas bubble formed between cutting them and putting them in the water, then they just won't live as long. Uh, you use plain water here. If you use a floral preservative, then they do last longer as well, significantly longer. Give me some examples of what a floral preservative would be. Well, the one I have at my house is called Floral Life, and you buy it in many different places. If you buy a bouquet at the grocery store, for instance, it often comes with a little envelope, uh, like a foil little envelope of stuff in it that they say to put in the water, and that is a floral preservative. You can make your own, and it's typically uh, two tablespoons of some sort of acid. Vinegar works, uh, lemon juice works, lime juice works, two tablespoons of sugar. The acid is going to kill funguses. Funguses in general respond to, uh, or are killed by, I should say, uh, or limited by acids. And so the, that's what the uh, acid is going to do. The sugar just gives the plant a little bit to live on. It's not enough. It's not a lot. Sometimes you'll hear people talking about using 7-Up or some kind mm -hmm. of soda pop. That's going to be your source of both acid and um, sugar. But then you also want about a half a teaspoon of bleach, and you're going to put all this into a quart of water. So a quart of water, two tablespoons of acid, vinegar, lemon juice, lime juice, two tablespoons of sugar, and a half a teaspoon of bleach. What does the sugar do? The sugar supposedly is something that the flowers can live on. Mm. I, I think there is some sugar in the um, floral preservative, the floral life. I'm skeptical that they can actually use that sugar. but I do know I get a much longer 
vase life out of the flowers if I use the floral life preservative in my water. By the way, we'll have Debbie's recipe for floral preservative in today's show notes. If you're driving and trying to scribble at the same time, and just barely uh, missed a car in oh, front of you. Oh, come on. The sticky tab on the <laughs> steering wheel. I used to do that all the time. <laughs> well, it, No, don't get in an accident, Thank please. you. Yes. Yeah, I need all the listeners I can get. <laughs> uh, I, I should be cutting it twice, basically. Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. If, if to get the yeah. longest uh, life out of those flowers, yes, you should. All right. What I would do maybe a little differently or in addition to what you did here is I would cut other things to fill out the bouquet. If you have ornamental grasses, things that you don't, herbs, uh, ornamental grasses, herbs, some, some flowers like the areogonums, when they decline, they still look mm -hmm. decent. And that makes an interesting addition to the uh, bouquet. You can pick a color palette. It might match what you have in the house. You might do all pastels or you might do all hot colors or you might do a, a mix of like blues and yellows to make it go uh, both directions, be sort of a clash to get a different feeling out of it, but to fill it in a little bit. And sometimes if I'm using a big vase and a lot of plants, I will try to have a tall thing in the middle or to one side. It can be either way. It can be if it were symmetrical, it would be something very tall in the middle. And then it would come down like, and be shaped, the whole arrangement would be shaped like a Christmas tree, come mm. down lower and lower and lower. And you can even have some things that hang over the side. If you have pieces of vines, vinca or something that hangs over the side so that you have trailing down one, uh, all the way around, or you could make your tall thing over on one side and have it asymmetrical and then have it hang down to the other side. Those are very more artsy things, and either you have that gene or you don't have right. that gene. Right. You're sort of uh, talking the thriller, chiller, spiller effect. Right, yeah. but in cut flowers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, would, I would think, though, cutting some uh, herbs might not last as long as the flowers themselves, especially if I wanted – I'm thinking when you said that, herbs, I go, yeah, you know, the, the basils have bolted. I could uh, use yes. those flowers as part of the arrangement. But yes. I think those would be just litter on the dining room table in no time. Um, I have cut – well, I haven't cut the bolted as much. Basil, I'll bring some in and I'll use only a portion of it. And it is actually without floral preservative because I don't intend to keep it. It stays pretty well in the uh, – in the vase as a plant in general. As I said, I haven't cut the bolted, so I haven't cut the flowers. I do happen to right now on my counter have the flowers of um, coleus, which is a mm. similar structure, and they're not dropping anything. Uh, so that is something to consider. I, I brought you a plant today called Verbena bonariensis, which produces a roundish head of uh, purple flowers, which are very pretty, but they drop all over the place. Hence their uh, reputation for being, shall we say, invasive. Yes, they seed around. They yes. do. But they're easy to pull out. So flowers that would be good to grow or have in your garden for your cut flowers would be uh, cosmos and zinnias. And those are annuals. So you'd have a bed where that's fairly rich in soil nutrition and it gets regular water and has full sun. And you want to go out and tend that garden regularly and deadhead it. Uh, meaning take off the flowers that have gone past their prime, be, and that will stimulate new ones to grow. In a plant's world, the goal is to make offspring, especially if you're an annual. Your goal is to make seed. If you never get that chance, this is true, we've probably talked about with bean plants. If you, if the plant never gets, can't get that chance to make that seed, it'll try again. So it'll flower, and in the case of a bean fruit again, or in the case of the zinnia, make another flower. So the more you cut them, the more they uh, will make more flowers. So that would be true for the zinnia. 
the Cosmos sweet peas. If you grow those, they're not in season in the summer, but they you can get some really fragrant ones. They make really nice little nosegays. And if you can get some nice sort of larger leaves to go in there. Uh, sunflowers, they make floral sunflowers, ones that are not as uh, inclined to make the seed in the center that we commercially grow sunflowers for as a, as a food, either for us or for the birds or other animals. They are called floral sunflowers. You can find them. They'll be listed on the on the seed package. That would be another annual. And they tend not to get as tall, so they're easier to harvest. And they have multiple flowers per stem. Uh, roses are, are going to be, then they're the perennials. The roses would be included in that. I also have a dwarf rose that I like to cut for my cut flowers. When you're cutting a rose, you want to go start at the flower, move back until you find a five leafleted leaf that is pointing out from the center of the plant. Uh, and you're going to cut just above that, about a quarter of an inch on a slant. That will, uh, indicates, and there is debate about this, but it, typically is believed to indicate that that part of the stem is strong enough to produce another bud and another flower, and it will grow in the direction that that leaflet is, is pointing. Roses, we try to keep the center open to keep disease and insects out of that center. So you make the cut right above that five leaflet leaf. Yes, okay. and on an angle so water won't sit on it and cause it to rot. Hydrangeas make lovely cut flowers. They come in all kinds of colors, and, and in the industry they're painted, and I don't know how they do that. They paint the they're called bracts. They're not really petals, but um, so you can get hydrangeas. That's another perennial you could grow in your yard. And lavender makes a very good cut flower as well. And they come on fairly long stems. You didn't do the two thirds rule, no. and, but that doesn't that doesn't bother me. Okay. I, I thought it was the 50 50 rule, but no, it's not. the Right. 50, you did 50 about 50 50. And yeah. I think it looks good. The uh, time it really bothers me is when I see these giant containers in front of commercial buildings. Oh, they might be feet across. And they have, uh, like bedding plants yeah, in them. Yeah. It, it just looks so ridiculous. I like one tip that you were mentioning before we started recording. And I've done this too, is when people come over to visit, make them the offer of, Hey, would you go out and, and cut me some flowers? Here's a vase. Here's some snippers. Go out, cut whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing what they bring back in things you'd never thought about using in a cut flower arrangement. Yes. It broadens my, my view of, of my garden. And I love to do it with children. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just love it. They they come out with all kinds of stuff, and they're so pleased with what they did. And of course, you can send it home with them. So, and you use you can use anything. When I cleaning out my for a vase, you can use anything. Cleaning out my dad's house, my mother used to cut flowers, um, and and I didn't bring home. She lived in New York. I live in California. It was not easy to get these fragile glass ceramic containers home. She had a lot of ball jars, the old mm, ball jars, sure. and so I use lots of those. Uh, as flower, the pint or the quart, or both, or both, yeah. both. And okay. so I have so many around that if if somebody comes and cuts their own flowers, I can send them home with the jar. Good idea as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. that that works fine. Yeah, and, and if if you're a party animal, use those red cups. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're not real sturdy though, no. in terms of oh. they're easy to knock over. I have cats, and um, a, a, a lightweight cup like that is a little oh. um, uh, easy to knock over. My mother also had something called frogs, pin frogs. I didn't bring them either, but they are typically round. Sometimes they're square and they have these pins sticking out the top and you put them in the bottom of a wide vase, maybe a wide dish. Maybe you have a, a even a mixing bowl and they, you'd have to have things with stiff stems, but you poke the stems 
either right into the the needle sticking out or between the needles, and that holds them in place, and you have more control over where where you do your uh, arranging. You can also get floral foam for that, but that you have to throw away all the time, and I'm into not throwing things away if I can avoid it. I love these quick tips that take up most of the episode. <laughs> this is great. You learn you so cut much it that in way. pieces. <laughs> nah, nah, we'll just run it all together. More cut flower tips from Debbie Flower. Thank you for that, Debbie. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Fred. Smart Pots. It's the original award-winning fabric planter. It's sold worldwide, and Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. Smart Pots, by the way, are BPA-free with no risk of chemicals leaching into your soil, your herbs, vegetables, and other edibles. That's why organic growers prefer Smart Pots, and they last for years. Some gardeners have been using the same Smart Pots for over a decade. Smart Pots breathable fabric creates a healthy root structure for plants. Because the fabric breathes, Smart Pots are better suited than plastic pots, especially for really hot and really cold climates. And unlike a plastic pot, the fabric won't crack or break from frost or when dropped. For more information, visit smartpots.com slash Fred. And don't forget that slash Fred part, because on that page are details of discounts when you buy Smart Pots at Amazon. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred. It's time for a quick tip about picking apples, especially a very popular variety called Granny Smith. Many people are picking it way too early. Phil Purcell from Dave Wilson Nursery says, here's when to pick it. The one thing about Granny Smith, and everyone's, they're like, they're too tart. And you get them in the grocery store, they're too tart. Well, that's because they're picked too early. In fact, when I, off our trees here at the nursery, we start picking the, uh, the Granny Smiths off the trees end of November, beginning of December. When they start turning almost like a golden delicious color, the tartness is gone. And you get that fantastic Granny Smith flavor that people really like, but people shy away from Granny Smiths because the, the, the commercial growers, they just pick them early and they're set bright green. Really, they should be a lighter green, almost yellow color. They're still super crisp, juicy, but they don't have the tartness that you're kind of familiar with in the grocery store. Exactly. And that's why I always advise people to not judge the quality of a piece of fruit based on what you buy at a grocery store. Judge it by what you're picking in somebody's backyard, because that'll give you a true indication of when it's really ripe. And that's great uh, information about the Granny Smith, which is naturally a green apple. But if you just let it sit on the tree, maybe through a frost or two, and it turns kind of yellow, that's when it's sweet. That's when it's sweet. Yeah. Because there are so many demands on your time these days, well, I like to keep the Garden Basics podcast to under 30 minutes. But still, there's a lot more to tackle on all the garden subjects we bring up on the podcast. So for that and a lot more, we're starting up the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. It'll be on Substack. It'll go into more details about what you just heard on the latest podcast, so, yes, it will be a good supplement for the Garden Basics podcast, but there will be a lot more garden-related material and, uh, you know, probably pictures of my dogs and cats as well. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. It's on Substack. And best of all, it's free. There's a link in today's show notes. Or just go to Substack.com and do a search for the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred. That's Substack.com. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred Newsletter. Did I tell you it's free?
It's free. We're here at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center with Master Gardener and Plant Princess Lorianne Asmus, the owner of Emerald City Interior Landscape Services, the Giggling Gardener. Yes, all right. Okay, all right. I won't forget that part. Yes. We're here talking about watering your houseplants. Uh, Of the percentage of people you know with houseplants, how many are overwaterers? How many are underwaterers? Most people are both. Actually, just depending, you know, I mean, okay, have we caught up with summer yet or have we scaled, you know, by watering more in the summer, for example, or have we uh, scaled back in the fall by watering less? And we're talking about when we talk about watering, and I know this is a whole other topic, but when we talk about watering, we're talking about frequency, not the amount per time. So in the summer, you're going to water a little more often. You're still going to water thoroughly when you water and let things dry out. In the fall, you're going to water a little more, a little less often. Define watering thoroughly. Watering thoroughly means getting the entire soil body wet. So where your roots are, which you hope is in the entire soil body, which is if you've got a six-inch pot, the roots should be filling that pot more or less. You want all of those roots to get wet. If you just water the top couple of inches you're going to have roots in the top couple of inches and that's not going to create a very healthy root system. And what we know is, is that a healthy root system is the most important thing to a healthy plant. I like how you can determine how a plant is too wet or too dry. And you've, you've talked about this for years and I use it every time I water, which as you know, is once a month on my house plants. <laughs> you don't need to check your house plants. Once a month, they need water. Trust me on this. How many do you have alive now? Three? Oh no, there's like five. <laughs> okay, five. All right. When you go to ascertain, does my plant need water or not? Mm-hmm. You have a very scientific way of doing it. I do. You pick up the pot. Yes, you can pick up the pot and determine its weight. Say you bring home a new plant and you've got it. It's in a six inch pot. I'm just going to say this for, you know, whatever size it is. You're going to put it in the sink. You're going to water it thoroughly until water comes through the holes in the bottom. And you must have some kind of drainage, please, unless you're really, really, really an expert. So the drainage, the water comes through the bottom. You're going to pick that pot up when it's completely saturated. And you're going to sort of get an idea of how heavy that feels. Then you're going to let it dry out for a week, two weeks, uh, and you're going to pick it up again, and you're going to see how it feels. Now, depending on the soil type, okay, which may be another conversation, you're going to feel that it's a lot lighter without the water. The water is by far and away the heaviest part of your soil for the most part, or your soilless mix, as the case may be. When you pick it up and it's really light, it probably needs water. Now, you know the other way to tell, right? It's just by sticking your finger in the soil. Say it's too big. Say it's in a 14-inch pot. Say it's gigantic and you can't really pick it up. Sometimes you can kind of tip it a little bit and get an idea of how heavy it is, right? Or if it's sloshing around in water. You could stick your finger in the soil and down to about, I don't know, two inches, maybe the second knuckle or so. If it's dry, chances are pretty good that that plant is ready to be watered. And again, take it over to the sink so you can water it thoroughly And the water will drain out the bottom. Now, if it's big, though, if it's a big plant that can't be taken to the sink or the bathtub or drug outdoors. okay. oh, and let's just say if you are going to drag your plant outdoors to water it, please, 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 please do not leave your plant in the sun. Not even for a minute. People I hear all the time saying, oh, 
I just thought I'd do a nice thing. It was Saturday morning and I put my plants out in the sun. Well, it's kind of like putting your redhead out there without sunscreen. It's not a good idea. How about this? Now, sometimes when I go to my house plants and I pick them up, they're very, very light. And I know that when soil balls, especially if there is a mix of, say, peat moss in there. Which most soilless mixes are uh, based on peat moss. When peat moss dries out, water will tend to roll off, go down the side and out. The root ball does not get watered. So I have gotten the habit of taking my wife's good baking pan and putting an inch of water in it and setting. Admit this? Shh. And and setting the plants in their pots inside this baking pan and letting it sit there for a few hours uh, before my wife gets home. Does that work? Does it, will that saturate a root ball? <laughs> well, there's yeah, sometimes yes and sometimes no. Sometimes it's so dry that it's not even going to pull that water up through capillary action. So essentially, sometimes you may need to take like a little chopstick or some tool of some sort, small tool that's not going to do too much damage to the roots and sort of work the soil a little bit. Now, I would just use my fingers, but some people don't like to do that, particularly if you just got your nails done or something like that. So you can use a tool or your finger to sort of work the soil a little bit in the front to sort of work some of that water in. The other thing that you can do is you can put a drop of soap, like just dish soap into your water, it acts as what we call a surfactant. And the surfactant breaks that surface tension between the soil particle and the water and allows that water to soak into the soil. So just a drop of soap in your water will help to uh, saturate the soil as well if it's dried out too much. Do you have to mix it? Mix what? The soap and the water and, and make soap suds. You are so silly. No, I'm I'm serious. You have to make bubbles. Absolutely. You put the drop of water into the gallon. I mean, the drop of soap into the gallon of water or whatever it is that you're using. No, you don't just put it on the surface of the soil. You mix it in. All right. Can you do that by taking your one-gallon container, filling it maybe half of water, putting the drop of soap in, and then topping off with the rest of the water? Would that do it? Sure. Honestly, it's it's not a it's not a real um, it's not a difficult process, and uh, you're not going to hurt anything. What about the soap suds? Well, they're going to be in the plant. It'll look like it has rabies or something. Well, then once you get the soil wet, leach it out. Put run the water through again. Get those bubbles out of there if you don't like them. Obviously, uh, two two points I would like to make. You probably heard an airplane fly over. We I have not moved to Sacramento Airport. We are at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center on, on what is a fairly nice day, sitting in the shade here and admiring all the plants here. Uh, and that's why you heard a uh, plane go by. Related to the fires, maybe, huh? More than likely, yes. Get your house plant. Make sure that the water is soaking into the soil when you water it. If it's not, you already heard what we said about the soap and the, you know, the mucking around with the soil to try to get the peat moss wet again. But what you want to do is you want to water so that water goes all the way through the soil body and leaches out the bottom. And then you want to let it dry out in between down to the second knuckle before you water again. So we're going to water thoroughly each time we're water. We're not going to water a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. We're going to water thoroughly each time that we water. Now, if you can't take it to the sink or the bathtub, it's got to be in a saucer of some sort and it better be a plastic saucer because anything ceramic, even if it's glazed, is going to sweat and it's going to ruin your surfaces and you're not going to be happy. So you use something plastic to contain the water if it's too big to move and then make sure that that plant is not sitting in water. And you can use a turkey baster to pull out that excess water if you want. That's the easiest way to do it. Good advice Okay. on watering your house plants. And if you can solve your watering issues, you are well on the way to having successful house plants.
Lorian Asmus, Master Gardener, Emerald City Interior Landscape Services owner, Houseplant Queen, and Plant Princess. I forgot. <laughs> plant Princess. Lorian Asmus, uh, thanks for all that great information. Okay. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode. Transcripts, links to any products or books mentioned during the show. Plus, you can just listen to the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. There's other helpful links for even more information, including info about the new Garden Basics newsletter. And just like the podcast, it's free. Plus, you'll find more information about how to get in touch with us. Leave an audio question without making a phone call via SpeakPipe. Go to speakpipe.com slash garden basics. It's easy. Give it a try. You can also use your phone to call or text us the question and pictures. 916-292-8964. 916-292-8964. And you can email us, fred at farmerfred.com. And if you tell us where you're from, that's going to help us out greatly to accurately answer your garden questions. Because as I'm fond of saying, all gardening is local. In the show notes, you'll find links to all our social media outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And there's a link to the FarmerFred.com website. And if you would please, if you hear something you like on the podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's brought to you by Smart Pots. Garden Basics is available wherever podcasts are handed out, and that includes Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Google, Podcast Addict, Castbox, and Pocket Casts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it. <laughs>